What's up? It is Rafael Barlow with NBA Draft Junkies. I have my guest again. He actually uh, decided to come back on for part two, so I guess I didn't give him too much of a hard time in the first episode. But I love scare me way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed his list and and his breakdowns of why he had the players ranked the way they were ranked. So I definitely wanted to have him back on again. And here he is for part two of his list, starting off at number six. And the guest is Corey Nepper. Corey, how are you doing today? Doing all right. How about you, Raphael? Doing good. Uh, just uh, getting ready for this, the lottery coming up soon. The lotto. Yep, Thursday. And I'm trying to get my mind prepared for my mock lottery and, and what I you know, plan on putting out that night. So it's kind of competitive in this draft world now. So I'm probably mm-hmm. going to have to have some content already ready to, to go. And then once the list is out, have my board ready and, you know, try to be one of the first out. So yeah, it's going to be a pretty tough. busy week for me, but this is what I enjoy doing. It's what I signed up for. So it's all fun. I mean, there's much harder things to. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot harder jobs out there. Yep. All right. So we finished off yesterday at number five. And now this is where it gets really interesting at, in, in my opinion, as far as your list. And so who do you have as your sixth rank prospect on, on your big board? So we go to Florida State for six and seven. We got Devin Vassell. Um, so first off, I want to talk about um, – when I do look at these players, uh, I try to be kind of vague because they are 19, they 19, 20 years old. They're going to be changing. They're going to, they're going to evolve as ball players. So I try to look at either you're a point, you're a perimeter player, wing, off ball player, or you're a big. Mm-hmm. And currently in today's NBA, wings and perimeter players that are off-ball players are the most valuable thing. You can't get enough of them. So that is also a positional value thing Value thing that has jumped some of these guys up ahead of a uh, couple other players like a, maybe a Cole Anthony or uh, maybe like a R.J. Hampton, guys like that. So Devin Vassell, I see a guy who – I mean, defensively, he's fantastic. He shoots off the dribble well at this moment. I can see him being a much better catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter than he is right now. Which he was pretty efficient on catch-and-shoots this year. Yeah, and he could – I think it, his trajectory is going up as far as being a three-point shooter. He's not – I don't think he's close to being capped out. Um, he seems like the kind of guy who could be a starter until he's 34 years old. Mm-hmm. I mean – He's got, he needs to put on a little bit of strength. He needs probably another, he could probably gain up to 20 pounds probably uh, between now and then. But overall, kid can shoot, plays really, really good off ball defense. On ball defense will get even better as he gets stronger, uh, which will just happen from maturing. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who weighs the same that they did when they were 19, 20 years old. Right. Um, so he's, he's going to get some man weight on him. And, uh, I think that happens with a couple of these guys. Uh, and I could see him really, really being just, his floor is being basically like a fit, like 
Danny Green on last year's championship team. I can see that as being his floor and, and the peak of his career. What do you think his ceiling is? I wouldn't say, like, not as good of a shooter as Clay Thompson, but as good of a defender as Clay Thompson. Um, not as good of a shooter, but in a similar role. So here's what I'm confused. Not as good off ball movement. Yeah. Um, he's the next prospect that I'm going to do a video breakdown on. And I'm about 90% done with the video. And he's moving up my board a lot. He's probably him and one other player. I won't mention his name yet. Are probably my two biggest risers. So when I look at Vassell, I see a guy who I think if he maximizes his potential and works on a couple things, I think he could be a top 15 to 20 player in the NBA. Wow. But I'll go with what I think he needs to work on first. He needs to improve his handle. Yeah. And if he is able to attack the rim off drives, then I think he becomes one of the rare guys that's a three-level scorer. Because he shot 41% from three both years at Florida State. Um, small sample size his freshman year, but he's been consistent with that. And he likes the mid-range pull-up. He can get to his spots because, I mean, he's like, what, six, seven, six, eight, but he has like this seven-foot wingspan. and He's long. Yeah. And if you close out on him, he, he loves to pull up. And I know a lot of people don't like the mid-range shot. I think that it's a weapon for you if you are going to be a, a big-time scoring option for a team. And so unless you're like James Harden, most guys that, that are scorers can score at three levels. In order for him to reach the potential that I think he can reach, he's going to have to improve big-time on getting to the lane, finishing at the rim, and getting to the free throw line. Like, I think if you add up his free throw attempts for his career, it's under 100. So he's been at the free throw line less than 100 times, two years. It probably averages out to like 1.5 free throw attempts per game in his career. So I did a study of all the guys who I think he could be like if, if he reaches his ceiling and he still doesn't go to the free throw line nearly as much as they did. Yeah. So I looked at Paul George at Fresno, and I think they kind of have similar body types. I think George is more explosive athletically. He's a little taller, I think. Yeah, he may be an inch or two. Well, I think Paul George maybe like was listed at 6'8 when he came into. Yeah, I know he's listed at 6'9 now. Yeah, so I think Usually. he was like 6'8 when he was in when he was in college. And he was also pretty young, if I'm not mistaken. And I think so he's, he's a two-year player. Yeah. And I think he grew maybe an inch or two, give or take, since he's been in the NBA. And Vassell's a two-year player. But even like Paul George got to the free throw line a lot more. And but George has developed into a high volume three-point shooter. And he takes a lot of three. In my opinion, yes. he's probably one of the most underrated three-point shooters in the NBA because he shoots them off the dribble and he takes a high amount of attempts a game and he's still pretty efficient in it. And so I think if I'm Vassell, if I'm Vassell's camp, 
I want him to develop into the next Paul George type player. And that's his ceiling. If he doesn't come yeah, close to that, phase. well, I think nobody thought, obviously nobody thought Paul George would be where yeah. he is today because he was, what, the 10th pick or something like that? Yeah, some, he was late lottery. Yeah, he had a slow start to his career. He didn't come out, you know, as a 15-point scorer. I, I want to say he averaged less than 10 a game his rookie year. They brought him along slowly, and he just developed and got better and better and better and better. And I think Vassell has that capability. I would like to see him work with a trainer that just focuses on his ball handling and yeah, his one-on-one and creating because he seems like he seems like a guy that has developed his game with a lot of skill work and drills. He knocks the open shot. He can get to his one dribble pull up, but when he's forced to put the ball on the ground, it's like two, three dribble max. And then he gets he's forced to, to improvise dribbling. He doesn't do. Yeah. He doesn't like it. Yeah. And even with Paul George, I remember when he was with Indiana. Even as he was, you know, becoming an All Star, he was more of an East and West dribbler. Like he kind of dribbled in place, dribbled, and kind of lured you to sleep a little bit. Not like James Harden type, but he didn't really go north and south. But as there he are many better, like dream hard type. Yeah, he's he's a one. Many that can do that. Like, <laughs> but I didn't want someone to say lure you to sleep, you know, thinking that he's going between his yeah. legs ten times and taking up a whole possession. But no, I, I just felt like George was more so east and west. And I think there were times in Indiana when he was younger, when they needed big baskets, he wasn't able to get to the rim because he was predictable going to his pull up. But mm-hmm. as time went on, he developed. Even Bradley Bill was more so of a shooter coming out. Florida and he's yeah. developed a great off the off the bounce game working with Drew Hanlon and I would love to see Vassell if he can add that to his game I think he could be a top 20 player it's it's a lofty goal yeah but I just see like the characteristic characteristics because he's already got two levels mastered and yeah. he has the length to be able to get his shot anytime he wants it in the mid-range, but I think sometimes he takes tough and bad shots because you know he's not going to the basket. And even when he does go to the basket, he's looking to avoid contact or he just kind of throws up some off-balance shots. And I like the fact that he... Part of being 180 pounds or whatever he is right right now. So, So, yeah, I wonder, like, all right, getting stronger, which you can probably add that to everybody's (laughs) list of things to do, Maybe like Okongwu, who looks like he's pretty strong already. But getting stronger, working on his ball handling north and south, and attacking the rim. If he can add that to his game, I think the sky's the limit. If he doesn't, I still feel like his ceiling, I'm sorry, his floor is pretty good. If he ends up being Trevor Ariza, that is a long 15, 16, 17-year career. I was thinking maybe... Maybe Robert Covington, a little bit, maybe a little smaller, but I guess him and Covington are both six seven. So Covington's probably the floor, maybe not the floor, but that's probably his most, his most likely if he doesn't, if he just develops strength, doesn't really develop finishing yeah. around the rim and stuff, and the ball handling doesn't really come. Covington's probably, but Covington is, spot a, on. is an elite shot blocker. <laughs> He's like yeah, yeah, a rim somehow. protector now. <laughs> 
yeah. averaging like two blocks a game or something like that. So that's kind of tough to see if he can block shots yeah. like that. Vassell was playing the playing the two at, at Florida State and had 1.2 blocks 1. a game 2, yeah. per, thir- per 36. So, yeah. sorry. But I don't know if any – like, Covington's weird that he can somehow play the center position on that Rockets team. But um, – and yeah, I mean, I he's like getting... literally meeting guys at the rim, verticality, verticality, blocking shots. He's yeah. And I, I had a chance to watch him when he was in the D League because I worked for the Texas Legends for a few seasons. So I remember seeing all the guys that, you know, would come in and and like developmental guys. And he was one that I remember. He was on that team that they were just doing all the experiments. And actually, they're kind of running the offense now but they had the guy that was the coach at that school in Iowa where they just shot nothing but threes. Remember the school? Yeah. Grinnell. And they had the guy that scored like a hundred and something points. And they brought in that coach and they just ran this offense. It was even crazier than what they run now. And all they did was put up threes. And he was on that team. Never would have thought that he would develop into the player that he is today. And I'm glad that Houston was able to get him back because I forgot which player they I think it was like they cut him for Francisco Garcia. Yeah, it was someone that just had a name know. at the time, a, a yeah. bigger name. So I'm glad they went and got him. But anyway, yeah, I think if Vassell can be in the range of Ariza, Covington, um, I saw someone say that they thought that his ceiling offensively is Chris Middleton. And you know, yeah, I can see some similar characteristics because, I mean, a lot of teams missed, missed out on, on Middleton. But he just developed. I think for some of these guys, the, the baseline of talent is there. It's just how much they improve and work on their games during the summer and improve their weaknesses. And like I said, with Vassell, I think if he can master those things that I mentioned, I think that he could be a very high-level player in the NBA, not just a high-level starter, just top-tier player. And guys who are typically elite defensively at college and will put in that work on the defensive end and do the non-glamorous stuff, those mm-hmm. are guys that typically the ones that will put in the work and really yep. develop that you see go going forward. So that's another reason why I like uh, in transition number seven on the list, uh, Patrick Williams. He's a guy who whenever I watched him, it's like the more film I watch on the guy – the more highly I think of him. I mean, he just shows all of these flashes of being really, really good at everything. Mm-hmm. And he's got the great body size, 6'8", 220. Uh, he's a great athlete, good backside defender. He's got, he's got the potential to be elite defensively. And I don't know if I see him being elite offensively, but I could see him being very very good offensively yeah yeah and i i mean i've mentioned it on the show a couple of times i got a chance to watch him last summer i did not see it my friend says this kid is a one and done first round pick so i don't see it man i just didn't see it and i watched him work out for a whole week and uh it was one of those things where once i saw him in the game it all made sense. It all made sense to me. Uh, but I knew he had the body type. I knew he was an NBA player eventually. I knew he was really young. He might have been like 17 last summer. 
And I think he's yeah. only 18 now. So I, I knew it, but I just didn't really see like one and done. And I definitely didn't see him as a potential lottery pick. And I think yeah. now that if he gets selected in the lottery, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I think, I mean, a big part with him is going to be does his shooting. I mean, his shooting's not terrible, but it's it's a real robotic form. Um, but his free throw shooting, he shot 84% yep. from the line roughly. Uh, so that's someone you could see. I think free throw percentage really translates to catch and shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see him being a good catch and shoot three-point shooter. Uh, but it's just a little robotic. He But the IQ's there, uh, the athleticism's there. It's just a matter of work between, you know, now and his second contract. Yeah, I mean, by the time his second contract starts, he'll probably only be 22. (laughs) He's that young. I think there are players in the 2021 class who are older than him. And he's he's so young. So, yeah, I I like him. I mean, he's more so of a gamer than a workout guy. And you can watch him in workouts and, you know, you can see the athleticism. But what he does more so translates on the court in actual game action as opposed to a guy that's going to be a workout guy. So that's not a bad pick at number seven. And I, I've been trying to figure out which teams would be good fits, but I think he's kind of like a plug-and-play guy. Same with Vassell. I think you can plug them mm-hmm. on any team and – they'll be fine. I don't think there is a bad fit for either one of those guys. I think Vassell's, so I don't know if you like follow uh, Thinking Basketball at all on uh, YouTube. He's got some great breakdowns and videos. He's got this thing that he really brings up with scalability of players and three-point shooting and on-ball defense for a wing is the most scalable thing you can have. And Devin Vassell has both of them. Yep. I mean, so he's a scalable player. You can plug him on any team, and he's going to play. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the safest picks in the draft. All right, so number eight, and this guy is all over the place on different yeah. boards. I've seen as high as number one, and I've seen as low as, like, 15 to 17. I guess he's an acquired taste. Yeah. So Obi Toppin out of Dayton is the guy who I have here and guy who's three years older than Patrick Williams. Um, I would think it was even more than that. <laughs> three yeah. and a half to four. Yeah. It's he's 22 and a half right now. Patrick Williams just turned 19. It looks like. Um, Are you sure you just turned 19? Uh, that's what Tankathon says. He might not, but it might've been at, at draft, but Obi Toppin offensively is, I mean, he's there. He's right. he's a finished, he's as close of a finished product offensively as you can ask for in this draft. The problem's going to be uh, defensively. <laughs> I mean, he's got no lateral movement. He takes, a, he's not a quick bounce either. Um, overall, he can't play the center position. You know, he's, like I said before, I categorize him in wings and bigs. He's more of a wing. And what happens when that bounce goes, whenever the bounce isn't what it used to be when he was 22, you know, at 30, when his bounce isn't the same, 
is he just a stretch four that you can't really play on defense? Yep. And I mean, yep. if that's what you're getting after your second contract, I mean, so you have a, he could be a guy I could see having a peak couple of years where he's really, really good, really productive player between like 24 and 26 years old. And then he gets a bunch of hype around him and ends up being a guy who falls off, which unfortunately I really hope doesn't happen because he is an entertaining player. He's very fun to watch. His dunking machine can shoot it. Uh, so I really hope that doesn't happen. But if he can't be good enough to close on a playoff, high-level playoff team defensively, then then there's going to be some problems. Yeah, I mean, he's my choice for rookie of the year. <laughs> I don't even know which team he's going to. <laughs> I think that because he's so – like you said, close to being finished, or close to being a finished product offensively. I think that he's going to come in and put up good numbers on a bad team. And he's going to provide some excitement. He's going to sell tickets. He's going to be on ESPN. I don't know if he's going to make an impact in the standings. And, but I think he's so much more advanced than, in my opinion, everybody else in this class on the offensive end. I see him coming off to like a blazing start to his career. But I think guys are going to pass him up as time goes on. And as they, you know, mature, like you said, Patrick Williams is 19. And I was like, 19, but it makes sense because I probably met him last summer in June. So he would have been 17, getting ready to turn 18. And I know he just turned 19, like, a couple weeks ago or maybe even a week ago. So it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, three year age difference. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I think Toppin is going to, he's, he's going to be tough to build around. And if you're a team, Mm -hmm. you have to decide, do I want to go short term, the best prospect short term or long term? And if I'm a team that's, kind of on the edge of making the playoffs, then maybe I take him. The choice that I have for him before this bubble, I thought Phoenix would have been the best fit for him. And now... Team in Phoenix. And now I don't even know if I would do it if I'm Phoenix, just because um, I like what they have going now. But um, if they can somehow get him to steal some minutes as the backup center... That could that could be a pretty a pretty interesting fit, but it doesn't seem like you I think believe him in Sacramento that he, looks okay. But him and what's the difference between him and Bagley? Hopefully, he can stay on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, you give De'Aaron Fox two guys that can jump to the moon. If you just throw a lob up, yeah, they'll probably meet at and, the square. And Topping can Topping can space the floor a little bit better than Bagley can. Yeah, so. That would help him a little bit, but neither one could play defense at the center position really well at all. So uh, that's where I would, I mean, I think he'd do okay there. Um, Like you said, Phoenix, maybe if he can steal some minutes at the five, but I I like, I like Phoenix going after Gallinari and free agency personally, Yeah. if they decide to spend money, but I don't know if they're going to or not. Um, Robert Sarver. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they might even cut somebody that's valuable. Like I don't even know if yeah. they bring Baines back. 
So yeah, like what team do you think would be a good fit outside of Sacramento? So Phoenix was a good one, but like I can't see him going to Chicago. I can't see him going to Charlotte, Washington, but they already have enough defensive issues. Um, but maybe they just say, hey, we're trying to get to the playoffs. We got John Wall back. We are trying to just outscore right. everybody. Yep, that's that's what I was thinking. Like a team like that, that they have to try to maximize this roster like right now. Mm-hmm. Washington is like one of the teams I was talking about. Even um, like New Orleans wouldn't be a good fit. It was another team that I had in mind that could possibly just say, hey, look, we want to try to win now. Uh, maybe Charlotte. I think that um, – unless they want to play PJ at the five. And I think that like if I'm Charlotte, he'll probably sell some tickets and provide some excitement. (laughs) And I may try that. Um, What do you think about San Antonio as a fit? San Antonio, I, I hope goes after, uh, goes after a wing, but a little smaller wing, someone like Isaac Okoro, who I have later on the list, or Denny, uh, someone who's a little bit more on the outside uh, perimeter guy. Uh, I could see him going to possibly Boston because Boston's going to have that Memphis pick at 14 for Obi Toppin. Yeah, but I think I for know. them. They have the defensive chops to hide him at the center position. Yeah. If I'm Boston, I probably just – I'm going to – I would make a trade, but I think what I would do is I think I can get Whiteside and Dwight Howard for pennies this summer. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they'll just add, add some size. Uh, you know, Whiteside has his, his issues that he – you know, he's going to chase every block and give up dump-offs. And if Dwight can buy in. But it <laughs> kind of off the subject, I mean, if Dwight goes to, like – Boston, what number would he wear? Like 73 or <laughs> 89? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. What, what number is he wearing? He's wearing 39 this year, which is like weird. Yeah. And Boston, you know, they always give you like this crazy number. But yeah, I mean, if I'm Boston, I think short term, that's what I would do. Or maybe even if I can trade up, if you find a team that wants to trade down, um, you know, I don't know. I think- if they could find a trade up and get a Kongwu. Yeah. I think something crazy Man. is going to happen in in the lottery. Like I don't know if Phoenix is gonna end up with a top three pick or Boston I, or I somebody's gonna move up. If it's someone at San Antonio. This is their first lottery since they got Duncan, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if someone's gonna get it, it's San Antonio. I think if they're the they're the team that would just get that luck to jump up like that. I I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I think there's somebody that is going to surprise us and just kind of. I mean, it happens almost every year. Like I don't think we thought New Orleans was going to make the jump this year. All right. So speaking of San Antonio, the guy that you have at number nine is the player that a lot of people have going to San Antonio. The fit there, the yep. best fit. We had Denny. Uh, at Chavita? Avdia. Avdia? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, six nine, 
combo forward wing as well, classify him as. The biggest thing that scares me is his free throw percentage. Yeah. I mean, 55% or 58% is what it says it is right now. If you're below, you know, from my statistical analysis on this stuff, most of the time, if you're below 68% at that age, it becomes very, very hard for you to become a good shooter, let alone if you're more than 10% below that, it's going to be, you're far off. You know, mm-hmm. it's not even just a matter of mechanics. It's a matter of touch at that point. And that's what, it, that's what scares me. Yeah. Yeah. Like he shot the ball. His three point percentage isn't that bad. Mm-mm. And he also takes tough shots. Threes. Yeah. So when they came back in the second half, he started off shooting the ball very well from three. It kind of fell off a little bit. And they went on to win, like, the, the Israeli Winter League. And I was able to watch a couple of those games, and I thought that his stock improved to me based off of those games. They had some injuries, and it allowed him to play the position I think he'll play in the NBA. I don't really – I don't feel like Maccabi used him in the point forward type role that I mm-hmm. think he can play in the NBA. When he played at the under-20s last summer, that kind of put him on the map. They used him as a point forward, and he showed his passing ability, and he can run pick and rolls. He's a, he's, pre- he's a pretty good defender, and he's a good rebounder. Like, when he gets the rebound, he's gone. He's pushing. Yeah, yeah he's pushing the ball. And I, I'm higher on Denny than most because I think that – in order to have like a championship team, you need a, a four man that can make plays for others and push. So of course, nobody in the lottery is close to being a championship team, but something about a guy that can get the rebound and oh. allow your guys to run and make decisions. I mean, you look at Golden State when they wanted to trap Curry, they put the ball in Draymond's hand and he can make plays for others. You look at Odom, you look at Kukoc. Um, I mean, teams have had, the successful teams have had, like, a guy at the four spot that can be a secondary ball handler. And I think Denny can be that. Um, I think that his shooting could be okay. The free throw shooting just seems a little bit mental to me. It seems yeah. like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm a bad free throw shooter, and now I'm at the free throw line. I'm thinking about it. But what I like about him as opposed to Alonzo Ball, who's not a good free throw shooter, Lonzo doesn't attack because he doesn't want to get fouled. Denny is still on the attack. He's still aggressive, especially on straight line drives. I think that he's like a weapon that a coach can get creative with, whether it's putting him in like DHOs in the half court, kind of like what Philly does with Ben Simmons because they know he can't shoot mm-hmm. and the only way to – really make him effective in the half court is to get him going downhill and, and dribble handoffs. I think Denny can do that, but he'll look to finish or he'll, he'll make the play. He can run a pick and rolls. He's um, shown some flashes of been able to shoot off the dribble and he's a, a smart defender. And I think like, even if you look at guys in the Euro league, you know, there's been a lot of guys from Europe that have drafted. But the guys that actually played in the Euro League, 
seem to be pretty successful. There's a lot of guys that played on EuroLeague teams, but because they were so young, they never got in and they were drafted just based off of how they played in the juniors and against their age group. But the guys that actually played on a EuroLeague team, those guys have been pretty successful in the NBA. So I think, I know Luca for sure. I mean, he saw that. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Porzingis played some. I don't know if they were EuroLeague or I don't know if they were EuroLeague or Euro Cup that year. Yeah. It kind of changes. Um, But then you look at um, Bender. Bender played for Maccabi, but he never really got in. But he was on the team. He was drafted based off of how well he played in the juniors. Yeah, I think in the Euro League or I think it was Euro League or something, he averaged like four minutes a game. Yeah. Something like that. It was something like didn't and I mean it was all like garbage time minutes too I think or something yeah because but the game a there, while back I don't really remember yeah and I it's tough because the games there are so competitive like there's no reward for losing the thing about the NBA that I I'm kind of iffy on sometimes I don't know if I like it or not is that you get rewarded for losing mm-hmm. so you may have a team playing a guy twenty minutes a game who's not ready to play but the team knows i i drafted this guy i want him to look good or b if we stink and he's that bad then he'll help us be in position to get another lottery pick and the first thing that comes to mind is do you remember when philly was playing tony roten all those minutes and he was putting up the same numbers as michael carter williams he's yeah and Mm -hmm. I think that Tony Roden's a good player, but he never came close to putting up those type of numbers again. While yeah. in Europe, there's no tanking. So you can't tank and get rewarded with the number one pick. You have to win. Or if you don't win, in some cases, you get kicked out of the league and you got to get demoted. So there's really not much of an opportunity for young guys to play unless you've earned those spots and you're one of the better players on the team. While I feel like in the NBA – they'll sit a veteran down because they're trying to develop a younger guy for the future. Mm-hmm. You really can't play for the future in Europe. And so if a team like Maccabi puts Denny in and they trust him in the EuroLeague setting, then that, that says a lot because I've been to a few EuroLeague games. I've been to, you know, I spent the whole season around it and there's nothing in the NBA as far as crowd wise that can prepare you for that type of pressure. They are, the fans are tough. I mean, it's like the soccer mentality in a lot of those teams. And it's really like the same organization, the same club. So some of the soccer rivalry spill over into basketball. So it's, it's tremendous pressure. And so that's why I didn't think Luca would have any issues once he got to the NBA, because you know, you go to the NBA, but Crowd is a lot of rich people. <laughs> yeah, especially the ones that are close enough to hear you. Yeah, for them you to hear them. Yep. So I went on a little tangent there, but I, I I'm high on Denny. I'm when I do my next board, he's he's definitely going to be at a higher position than than he was on the last one that I did. But in your opinion, what do you think would be a good fit for him? I think Golden State's a really good fit for him. Um, yep. I also could see, 
um, Chicago uh, using him, uh, Cleveland. So he's a guy who I could see at the top get taken at the top uh, strictly because the, he does fit a need for a lot of those teams. And obviously, you can mention San Antonio. Yep. Uh, but I think him, his, his, I see him being a secondary ball handler and an offense. I could, his comp for, for me, his ceiling is a comp of kind of a Hito Turgaloo kind of player, handles the ball a lot, big. Uh, so that's kind of what I would like, I think he could get to. Um, but yeah, those are the teams I've been looking at. Uh, New Orleans, not really. Uh, maybe Sacramento as well. Put him at the four. <laughs> so, so you think Bagley's a five? I think you shouldn't build your team in the future around the idea of Bagley being a top player on your team. It makes sense. I mean, now with Vladdy being out the picture, I think that is a possibility. But I felt like as long as he was there, he was going to try to prove that he did not make a mistake in taking yeah. Bagley over Doncic. I had Doncic as one of the people who was number one no matter what that year. Um, like I said, this year I it's I have James Wiseman as my number one, but any of these teams, like it all depends on team specific. When it was Luca, it was you have to take this guy. Same See, with Zion, but I had Luca as my number one. But that year when I did my draft board, I tried to do it based off of how I thought the teams would pick. And I felt like, mm-hmm. well, I felt that I knew that the Suns were going to take Aiton just because of the whole Sarver, oh, Arizona collection, yeah. and the Arizona connection. And then it just seemed like um, his stock was starting to fall going into right before the EuroLeague because he had a little point where I mean, he was just exhausted. Like, I mean, just for me being out there, I saw that he literally played year round. Like he played the season, um, 16, 17 season. Then he went to Eurobasket. Then he went, probably had like, I don't even know if he had a break because when they had Eurobasket that summer in Istanbul, the, the teams in Istanbul were already like in camp for the season. So he literally went straight from Eurobasket to to Madrid, played a long season, Final Four, and the a lot of people don't realize that the season in Europe is ten months. It's a ten month season. Yeah. So he did not have a break. So I think there was a time where he hit a wall, and his stock was starting to fall, and then everybody was just kind of picking him apart negatively. And so I, I was like, man, this kid's stock is going to drop. He may fall out of the top five just because of that. And then I feel like. Some because of like the lack of success of some of the European players in the top five, I feel like there's mm-hmm. going to be a team that's going to pass him up, not because of his talent, just out of fear of the pick being booed or you know mm-hmm. the whole PR move. And I mean, how <laughs> those teams definitely definitely regret yeah. it. And so I wonder, does Denny benefit from that? I mean, not saying he's Luca, but he's the best since Luca as far as playing at a high level and and success in Europe because he won MVP of the Israeli league. Mm-hmm. Which which yeah, he's is, got the best resume since Luca yep. coming out of Europe. Yep. All right. So 
Number, we're at number 10. Who's your number 10 prospect? Yeah. So I got uh, Isaac Coro. Um, mm-hmm. He's same, similar thing. Shooting needs to, shooting will open up everything else. Everything. If the shooting comes, it, it, it opens up his driving ability. It opens up his passing ability. And if it doesn't, then he's Andre Roberson. You know, so he's, it's just, it's really hard to be a wing in today's NBA and be a defensive specialist. There's not any Tony Allens today. I agree. Um, wing specialist, there's no more bigs like like Perkins, guys that, Chuck Hayes, the days of those guys just playing one side of the ball, it's over. You can't hide them. And I agree with Okoro. I think that his ceiling is actually pretty high. I think he has a really high ceiling. But it all just depends on this one thing, if he can shoot. And even for him, he has to have the confidence to attempt a shot. I mean, he's not Ben Simmons, where he won't take yeah, one at all. But, but he passes up so many open looks because he just wasn't confident. Like, I mean, there's a play that comes to mind where they swung the ball to him. The nearest defender was in the paint. And he was wide open. And he kind of like pump faked. He, he just, he didn't want to shoot it, but he shot it because he was wide open. And then I want to say like a couple possessions later, well, he missed that one bad. A couple possessions later, he got the ball, same thing. They didn't close out on him and he didn't shoot it. And so. He pulled a Markel Fultz at the free throw line kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, his, his shooting is the main thing. And I'm at, I, I like his ball handling. I think he's a pretty decent passer. Um, you know, he's strong his, for his yeah for his, his size. He's a good on, on ball defender. He's probably the best, probably the best wing on ball defender in yep. this draft. Uh, yeah, and he's uh, yeah. I mean, he can possibly defend in some cases with the league getting smaller, one through four, mm-hmm. in, in certain lineups. Yeah. But can he and, make them pay on the offensive end when they don't guard him? And that's why he is a perfect fit for San Antonio. Wasn't that Chip San England? San Antonio's shooting coach. Yeah, just – I mean, I don't see it being – it's a match made in heaven is San Antonio getting Isaac Okoro um, to me. So my question is, <laughs> I, I see that a lot with with uh, Chip England. Uh, is he not working with DeJounte Murray? <laughs> That's... Murray looked a little bit better in the bubble, at least in the mid-range. He had a couple of shots in the mid-range where he looked pretty good off the dribble, but his three-pointer still needs to – still has a long way to go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so He's going to always be able to hang that off of Kawhi. So yeah. <laughs> he's got that one always for him. Yeah, because I thought, okay, Murray should be able to develop by – I know he missed the year with the – with the ACL, was it his ACL that he tore his ACL? Yeah, he tore ACL. But I thought he would come back a much, much better shooter because he had nothing but time to, you know, just kind of work on his shot. And even if it's just stationary, even if it's like sitting in a chair and working on the muscle memory. And like you say, he's gotten a little bit better, but he hasn't made the, the jump that I thought he would make. But he's still super young, so he has plenty mm-hmm. of time. And that gives you two really, really good defenders going forward. Yep. 
two really solid defenders. Uh, let's see. And uh, at 11, I also have a guy who I think is a good fit for Golden St- for a lot of teams uh, in Sadiq Bey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him a lot lower on a lot of other draft boards, and I don't know what it is, but these dudes from Villanova can flat out play. Yep. And they always seem to get underdrafted. I mean, we got in the last couple of years, you had uh, Mikel Bridges, you had Jalen Brunson, you've had DiVincenzo, uh, Josh Hart. Those are, that's in the last three years. Mm-hmm. So none of those guys are even on their second contract yet. And all of them were underdrafted. I think don't, he's kind of getting a little bit of that too. Don't forget the kid in Chicago, the point guard. Uh, oh, Dunn? No, 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 not done. No, no, no. Ryan D. I can't pronounce his last name. The the backup point guard Dr. I I gave up a lot on Chicago this year. <laughs> he's he's. Uh, I was giving up on Chicago until they got rid of uh, Boylan. Drc. I, I can't pronounce his name, but I, he was on the championship team. He wasn't expected to get drafted. Period. Yet along play a minute in the NBA, and he's he's been able to just kind of overachieve. Oh, Pascal, that's the other one. Uh, Eric yeah. Pascal for Golden State. I mean, granted, someone had to score on that team. Someone had to put the ball in the hoop, and he ended up being kind of the main guy there after everybody went down. But uh, he's another Villanova guy that got taken late. So Sadiq Bey, great shooter. Uh, ball handling, not not his best area. He seems to know what to do with the ball but he just doesn't have the, the coordination or athleticism to really like break down a defender or anything like that. See, I think um, he's a good ball handler. He just doesn't have the first step to, yeah. to blow right, by yeah. guys, but he kind of uses the old Paul Millsap. All right. I can't get by you. So let me turn around <laughs> and back you down. Yeah. But yeah, I think his main weakness on the offensive end is just lack of a first step and burst and athleticism. But I think he's, like you said, he's a Villanova guy. They all seem to overachieve their draft position. Has a high IQ. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a good passer, and mm-hmm. he shot over forty-five percent from three. I think he might be the best of the bunch of the Villanova guys. I mean, Bridges yeah. seems to be doing well. Bridges think, is nasty defensively. Yeah, I mean, just think Philly drafted him and traded him for. Zaire Smith, if I believe. Yeah. <laughs> well, part of it was to clear up space so they can give Tobias Harris $200 million. Yeah. I th- we can get into this later, but I think Elton Brand might be the worst GM in NBA history. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like he just – and I've said it a few times. just feels like he thinks this – it's the era that he played in. Like, he's trying to build a team yeah. with – Try to overpower it's like you guys. said, if I got five of me's out there, then we'd win a championship. So I'm going to go try to find five guys who are a lot like me and put them out on a team. Yeah, we don't you need, got four. We don't need shooting. We just need to dominate the glass. It's just the old school mentality. Yeah. Bigger is better. Uh, but, yeah, I think that with Bay, I think – well, one, he's, he's not as good of a defender as Bridges. Mm-hmm. I think he is a very good defender. But – he doesn't have that upside as Bridges, but I feel like he's a better playmaker and passer. And, I mean, the shooting could be even. I mean, you, you can go either way. I could say, I'd say he's a better shooter coming out than Bridges was. 
Yeah, well, I know I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know Bridget shot in the 40s, if I'm not mistaken, but Bay was like 45 this year. Um, With a further three point line. Yeah. And I think that like, I would love to see him go to Portland. I think mm-hmm. that Portland, well, the one they need defense and um, shooting, he can definitely shoot the ball. He will be a floor spacer there. But if you have him and Nurkic, and that would give the Blazers two additional guys that are pretty good decision makers and passers and that can put the ball on the floor and make plays for others if a team decides to trap Dame or, or CJ and get the ball out of their hands. And so, like I said, I, I really like guys that are fours because I think Bay is a four. I think that mm-hmm. that's the best position for him where he might have the best advantages at the four spot. I think he's a four and he's a guy that can push the ball and you can run pick and rolls for him. You can use him as like this weapon that can fill so many different holes that your team may have on the offensive end. So I would like to see him in Portland or even Dallas. I think Dallas would be I a good fit. Dallas. I don't know if he falls down that far. I, had I think him. Minnesota would be a good fit, too, if he Minnesota falls to that be, 17 pick. Yeah, Minnesota would be a good fit. You'd have four wings of, of Beasley, Okogi, and Culver, who are all three kind of smaller perimeter guys, and so as we kind of give you some size on the perimeter. Uh, I think if, if their draft worked perfectly for me, they'd have, a, they'd have a, a Kongwu and and Bay is what they'd walk out with. But – that's a that's a tall order, I think, for them. I don't think Sadiq Bay should fall that far. No, I don't. But somebody's going to fall. Somebody, mm-hmm. Somebody's definitely going to fall. And this draft is not as, at least in my opinion, it's not as bad as what some people make it out to be. I think there's a lot of guys in this draft that are going to be pretty good role players that, that play mm-hmm. a long time. It's just not superstar heavy at the top or, you know. But yeah, I think uh, somebody's gonna fall. Um, I think uh, I think Bay is pretty much a plug and play guy too. I think any team that he goes to, you can plug him in the lineup and and he can contribute. Like we said with Vassell, I think this is a guy who could who could start until he's 34, 35 years old. Yep. I mean, he can be in the league for over a decade as a starter, yep. and that's fantastic value in the. I think one. One thing that's big as you don't see is a lot of the swings for the fences end up being swings and misses. Yeah. So especially in the late lottery, not every not everybody turns into Michael Porter Jr. You know, yeah. whenever you pick in the late lottery. So I think being a little safer down there is a little bit better. Yep. And uh, but he's a guy that ten years ago he probably was a second round pick because mm-hmm. he's a tweener. You know, you had to be this three or this four, and it just shows how much the game has changed because I feel like if this were, instead of 2020, 2000, I think Vernon Carey is a top five pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sadiq Bey is the second round pick. Yeah. I think uh, Okongwu. Vernon Carey, for sure. Vernon Carey, um, Isaiah Stewart. Is a lottery pick. Precious and Ch- Chichua. 
Yeah, I think he's kind of what's his name. Yeah, I don't He'd probably know. be somewhere around there too. Well, I just don't know what position he would play in that era because he's not really a four. Yeah. He's he's just a he's he's I, actually kind of a. I like. Preston. I got him as a five. That's what my but, brother has him as a five. I, yeah, I definitely think that he'll close games at the five. I don't know if a team is gonna draft him and say that he's their five. All right, so let's move on to number twelve. This is a guy I like. I guess because I, I like him because I figure I know what he does. I know his role. And I've seen people in my messages who tell me he's absolute trash. They hope their team doesn't <laughs> draft him. So who do you have at number 12? So we got Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. I think his he's one of these guys who his his IQ on defense and offense and his passing vision give him a very, very high floor. However, his, his shot, his, well, as far his as spot percentage. up shot, yeah. yeah. But his inability to really have a dribble pull-up shot limits his ceiling. So with and that, he's going to have to rehaul his whole shot. And is that really worth it with his spot up being so highly efficient for him to really change that for the mid-range spot ups or for the mid-range pull-ups? Yeah, in my opinion, he is who he is. I don't – I'm not expecting him to add a pull-up. I'm not expecting him to create off the dribble. Um, I'm expecting him to be a better Lonzo Ball. I think that he'll be a better shooter. I think that um, – I think he's a better passer than Lonzo. To me, Lonzo is a Lonzo gets half credit. Court. Yeah, he, he pushes the ball. Yeah, I mean Lonzo has good vision, but I think Halliburton can be your point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you can make Lonzo your full-time point guard. I think Halliburton, despite his, um, you know, his lack of being able to break the defense down, I think that he can still be your point guard if you pair him with like a small two or someone like that um but i think offensively he'll be better because he's such a good shooter and a, a good spot up shooter yeah and he's good from really deep too yeah like and he's, I, I, he's behind the nba three-point line for a good little bit on a couple of his right and that's why i i believe that He'll be fine, despite the fact, like you say, you know, he's not going to break the defense down. Is because with his shooting form, he's going to have to shoot from deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think, you know, with NBA length, those shots will be contested. But I think he he'll be such a a good shooter, and he, I mean, he shot over forty percent, and in both years. But I think he'll be such a good shooter that he'll open the floor up with his range. He'll open up even more because he'll be a threat to shoot from from behind behind the line. If you see like today's NBA, especially with like Dame and Steph, so much ground guys have to cover because mm-hmm. guys are threats. I mean you look at the NBA today compared to like older games, guys are jumping higher. So you have to be able to cover more ground vertically and in space as far as like shooting threes like it's a whole different subject but there's some guys that played in the 80s 
in the 90s in that era that would not be able to <laughs> make it in no. today's NBA just no. because so much space you have to cover. But yeah, I, I think Halliburton is going to be a starter. Um, like I said, I think he his comparison is Lonzo, but I think he's a better shooter than Lonzo. Um, maybe that's... even like Golden State, Sean Livingston, except you're swapping out the mid-range for the three-point shot. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, he's going to need to put on a little bit of weight for his defense. Uh, yep. Currently, I only have him being able to really guard points. Yeah. Um, but if he puts on a little bit of weight, he might be able to switch to the two, possibly even some smaller threes. Um, or if someone runs a smaller ball, like Oklahoma City's lineup, him going mm-hmm. up against uh, SGA wouldn't be too bad. But I think his off-ball defense is pretty solid. His on-ball yep. defense is going to be solid. It's just a matter of if he's going to need to put on a little weight. Yeah, I think uh, he'll so be he'll a good be team versatile. defender. Yeah. My fits for him are Chicago. I think uh, Chicago and Cleveland, he could provide some balance to those backcourts. I think, uh, you know, both backcourts have too many guys that want to put the ball in the basket, and they need uh, they need someone that can play possibly together and with both of their guys. So even if it's with Cleveland, I think you can play him and Sexton together. I think you can play him and Garland together. You can play him and Porter together. Same with Chicago. You can play him and Kobe White together. You can play him and Zach Levine together. So I think he would provide balance. I think um, with Golden State, I think that's my one of my favorite fits for him because he wouldn't start, but he could come in mm-hmm. and contribute right away. He gives them another floor spacer. He would get wide open looks in Golden State. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're already a very smart team, but they'd even be, they'd make up for what they lost with Livingston, except yeah, but they, you know, he's not going to shoot the mid-range pull-up or in the post, but he's another but ball instead mover. He's going to give you spacing, and he's a good decision maker. So, you know, you get someone that will make the extra pass. I mean, think how many open looks those guys would get if they have another ball mover that can space the floor. Yeah. I don't think that he'll end up in Golden State. Um, and I don't think it's like the best fit for them long term, but short term, a guy that's that can plug that you can plug in their system and he'd be the best fit to help them win a championship next year. I think it would be Halliburton as far as, you know, outside of like Okongu. Yeah, I think Phoenix wouldn't be a bad pick either for for him. Oh, no, that would uh, be a good pick. That would be a good, really good, good pick spot for him. for him to be kind of off the he might be he'd probably be off the bench uh, player. But I think him being that backup point, uh, and he can also play off ball with uh, Rubio, so they could just kind of run those three guards. Uh, I think he'd do pretty well over there too. Yep, that would be an excellent choice. All right, we're rounding down to the last two. So number 13. 13's a guy that I looked at at the beginning, and he's another one of those ones that I just continued to like more and more and more as I watched his film and that is uh, Josh Green out of Arizona. Um, he seems like the perfect 3 and D. He seems basically, he seems like what Devin Vassell is, is what he's going to be next year. 
So he's going to be that 3 and D guy. He's long. Um, whenever I started, I looked and I was like, what's the difference between Green and Cassius Stanley? They're both athletic. They're both 6'6", six, six, and they're both freshmen. And then I realized that Cassius Stanley is actually like 21. Yeah. Um, and, and Green's actually actual freshman. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he can shoot it. He can play defense. He's going to need to – he's another one of those guys and needs to add a little weight to be a real good uh, defender. But he's another one of those that's going to be in that Danny Green kind of mold uh, with maybe early Danny Green, not a – not recent Danny Green, but when Danny Green used to be able to get up and throw it down a little bit. Um, that was when he was a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, I like feel like his first two years in the league, he was LeBron's dance partner. Yeah. He should. He could have stayed with LeBron. That would have been a. That would have been a good, good spot for him to stay. But, uh, and now he's with them. But his three three point shooting ability, he looks like his his shooting mechanics look like he's going to be able to catch or he's going to be able to go off of movement really well too, uh, whenever he gets further in, and his on ball defense isn't quite there yet, but it could be to the point of being able to guard you know one through three, um, and I mean that's a that's a championship level player. That's what you need on a championship level team is that yeah. kind of starter guy who can do that. Yeah, I like how he loves to get out and run, and he looks to mm-hmm. finish strong every time he has an opportunity to. He plays hard. I like him. He actually was the biggest drop in my last mock. He, just the way I kind of did it based off of team fit, as opposed to just like a big board, I did a combination of these are the guys I like, and I think if I'm the general manager of this team, this is who I'm selecting, and he fell late. And I'm not sure where he'll end up in my last one, but he fell to Toronto, which for him, that would cost him a lot of money, but it would be an excellent fit. Yeah. And they somehow I think him and (laughs) I think him and Dallas is a really, really good fit. Yep. Yeah, because I I mean I live in Dallas and I, I wasn't around this year, but I was around last season doing media. So I went to most of the home games. And if I'm Dallas, I'm trying to decide, do I want another 3 and D wing or do I try to find another player that can create his own shot? Because right now it's Luca and Luca, And then to me, the next mm-hmm. best on the team as far as like creating their own shot might be Brunson. Yeah. <laughs> and or I mean, I've seen KP pull off a couple of step backs. <laughs> Christoph Porzingis at yeah. seven three pulling off a step back three. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean coming but off pin down. It's not often. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like another guard that can put the ball on the floor, make plays for others, uh, I'm kind of torn which direction I would go if I'm them, because I think like, you know, they play like these small lineups. And someone like, if they can get like a Grant Riller at number 30, I think that would mm-hmm. be a pretty, pretty interesting fit for them. But uh, Dallas would be a good fit. I mean, just because, you know, Green is a – his calling card is probably going to be his defense and his athleticism. And then if he can improve as a, a shooter and become high 30s, 40s from three, then he's a, a really good complimentary piece for, for Luka Doncic. Yeah, when I when I look at Dallas, I see defensively they need 
to add a really, really good on-ball defender mm-hmm. and then another really, really good off-ball defender. Yep. So if they can add those two with what they already have, then they have a really, really good team. I mean, Finney Smith is fine, but hes I don't think he's the end game there. Yeah. But he plays his Speaking role. And- mm-hmm. All right, so number – 14 is the last the last guy in today's speaking podcast. Speaking of off-ball de- speaking of off-ball defense here, Tyler Bay at number 14 is who I have. Uh, I know he is one that is I probably am higher on him than almost anybody. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm higher uh, on him. I think he's a poor man's Sean Marion. There's only one Sean Marion, so um, maybe poor man is not a good I not a good word, but maybe Poor homeless man's Sean <laughs> I think he's a mix of Brandon Clark and Matisse Thibel. Like, and to me, both on offense together, and defense. Yeah. Sean Marion. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. With maybe a, just about as funky of a shot. Um, but he's one I see. I see. I think uh, was it Sam Vicini from The mm-hmm. Athletic has him uh he had to get a call from a general manager to tell him hey you should at least put tyler bay on your big board he's like but i don't think he should even be drafted so there's some people who have him that low uh and i i don't see it i mean he's six seven he's got a over seven foot wingspan um from what i saw it might be six eleven but it's he's got some long arms he's probably got the ability to get to 230 probably 235 he can go from he can guard from four to two uh against the team and his he just there's something about those guys that always seem to be in the right place at the right time on defense that's just there's something you can't teach that this guy has figured out yeah and I this is my opinion but I feel like the success of Brandon Clark should help Tyler Bay Mm -hmm. too many teams passed up Brandon Clark and I, I feel like they're regretting it. I think he could be first-team all-rookie this year. And teams just over overthought it. I mean, Tyler Bay could have a similar role. And, like, for example, I want to say off the top of my head, Brandon Clark made six three-pointers his entire college career. It was something – really really minuscule and then he shot 40 percent this year or something like that like close to 40 percent on like yeah. one a game but <laughs> he made three in the the play-in game he might have made yeah. more than that i know he had like i know for sure he hit three like three in a row it may have been four and if tyler bay who if you would have asked me compare who would be the better shooter tyler bay or uh brandon clark um coming out of college I would have said Tyler Bay without a doubt and his percentage is good from three he just doesn't take enough while Brandon Clark didn't really show he was going to be able to shoot the way he has and so if he can make that type of jump a similar jump as far as like outside shooting I think he becomes a very very good piece for a team because I mean you can't teach what he has as far as like his motor and his athleticism, mm-hmm. he's a good rebounder. He runs really the floor. good rebounder for his size. Yeah, he's you know really good rebounder. Quick twitch, pogo. Uh, 
I just feel like he he would be a guy that goes to like a, a championship level team and becomes an important part and an important piece to their puzzle just because of his energy and everything that he does. You don't need to run plays for him. He doesn't need mm-hmm. to massage the ball. He'll just come in, play hard, play his role, and do like the little things that will help your team win. The so, dirty work. Yep, I'm high on him. I'm really high on him. So what do you think would be a good fit for him? He's another one I think Dallas would be a good fit for. Um, and, I mean, honestly, who knows? He might be there at 31 <laughs> with how high and, so high and low he is yep. in this draft. Um, but he's another one of those guys where I think he is a scalable player where he can go to a lot of different teams. And I don't know if I'd have him start in year one, but I think in year two he's a starter for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him in Portland also. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need defense <laughs> and – that's that's one thing that he'll do, and he'll improve the athleticism of, athleticism of the team. I don't think the Blazers are a very athletic team, and those are two things that he could come in and fill. For some reason, I don't know about, like, how he would fit on the current roster. He seems like a Miami guy, like a guy mm-hmm. that they would get into their system and turn him into a shooter. I and I think they're at 20, which you never yeah. know. He could be there at 20. Um Maybe even like I could I see know. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota would be a good fit for him. Yep. Uh, like I said, they need a bigger they need a bigger wing, and he would that three four kind of guy, and he would fit that mold. Um, you know, he might be able to provide some backside rim protection, mm-hmm. uh, something that Carl Anthony Towns kind of needs out of a four. I actually wanted them to take Brandon Clark at twelve last year. Uh, and that ended up not happening. They traded up for Culver. Yeah. yeah. You know, Brooklyn may be an interesting place for him because – Brooklyn would be an interesting fit too. They play hard. That's what he does. And, I mean, he may not, like, help those guys right away as far as Kyrie and KD as far as floor spacing, but he's a – a role player that will do the dirty work. He'll guard multiple positions. He'll get rebounds. He'll provide energy. And he'll do, like, the stuff that excites the crowd, you know, whether it's giving you a second possession, whether it's just, you know, running the floor, you throw a lob to him. I'm I'm high on on Tyler Bay. My biggest regret this season is I was was living in China, and Colorado played – Arizona State and Shanghai. It was like early in the season, like maybe one of the first mm-hmm. games. And I didn't find out about it until the day before. And it would have been a good opportunity to just watch NCAA basketball in, in China. Yeah. And I missed out on it. And I don't know if I'll ever get that opportunity again. And so, um, but yeah, I like I like Bay a lot. And that wraps up our... Utah. You I think Utah? Utah might be a spot for him. Yeah, he would fit that kind of culture that Quinn Snyder has over there. Just that that kind of work hard kind of culture that they yep. have over there. I think he'd be good there too. But yeah, that's Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, where, where is Utah picking at right now? Um I'd say him at twenty three. You think he'd 20, be available? Twenty three. You never he know. He could be available at thirty one. 
he could also be gone at number 10. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that is all over everybody's boards. Yeah, so everybody's board is totally, you know. And he's get... got the number one, he's got the number one thing working against him that people try to stay away from, and that's that he's 22 years old. Which could mean he falls into a situation like Brandon Clark, and he ends up being like one of those picks that you say, dang, you know what, how do we pass him up? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think he may end up on one of these teams that makes the playoffs. And he ends up being a rotation guy. On, I don't want to see him in Philly, though. I think that would be the yeah. worst fit. Yeah, Philly would be in. He needs somewhere where they have somebody who knows how to shoot. Yep. Philly doesn't seem to be that place. No. Tyrell Terry would be better in Philly, in my opinion. I have yeah. Philly drafting Tyrell Terry. That's on my last yeah. mock. I, I like that is a perfect place for him. Now that Isaiah Joe is back in the draft, I think even though that's probably a little high for him, they have to draft for fit not necessarily the best player available well all right man i appreciate you coming on again taking time out of your 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 evening to to be a Mm -hmm. guest on this podcast again this is rafael barlow with Corey nepper he just gave us picks well he just gave us um six through 14 on his big board hopefully he can come on again in the near future sometime within the next Mm -hmm. week and we can talk about the, you know, the lottery and then um, just finish out his, his first round because he, he took the time to make uh, a 30-person big board. A lot of people stop at the lottery. And I just think that anyone that takes the time to watch film, put together, you know, a list with commentary, um, I'm all for having them come on the, the show as a guest to explain their list. And, you know, like I said, maybe provide a, a platform for, for guys that are interested in, in the draft and maybe, you know, doing some draft work long term, long term. So thank you again for coming on. Hopefully to have you soon. Yeah. My pleasure. This is always, this is fun. I can talk draft for an hour. Anytime. <laughs> all right, so I'm, I'll, I'll hold you up on that <laughs> yeah so I'll, I'll hold you up on that all right so thanks again this is Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies with Corey Nepper and we are out